0: Hello everyone, my name is Taylor, and I'm Kelly, and we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got
1: something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio.
0: Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's
0: my music.
1: You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 156, and it's an early Ring of Honor grab bag. And today I'm joined by a returning guest here on the show, he is a former contributor at Voices of Wrestling. It's Sean Flynn. Hello again, Sean.
0: Hey, Andrew. How's it going? I'm good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I think this is I think this is my fourth time I've been lucky enough to join you here.
1: I believe it's actually your sixth time on the show, believe it or not. So oh you're up God. there.
0: Well, when you get old, you forget things.
1: <laughs> a few too many uh, drinks over the years, maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Those three brain cells left are fighting, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. They're hanging on.
1: Well, um since the last time you were on here, Sean, I'm fairly certain that we met up again in person at Forbidden Door last year. you were in the suite with the whole gang, right?
0: I was. I was there for that night. That was that was one hell of a fun evening. I I, I think the best part was seeing a whole bunch of people turn away from getting free ice cream when uh Shibata made his appearance <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, free ice cream! Free ice cream! Shibata!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun for sure, and um, some good food too. I know you are a, a foodie, as they say, and uh, there was some some good little eats in that uh, suite there for sure, Sean.
0: I, I think I was able to get it down to about a dollar thirty per hot dog for the by the end of the <laughs> evening. That's a good deal. Which was not great for my uh, not great for my digestion, but good for the wallet, I guess.
1: I suppose, I suppose, yes. Well, um, we'll do it again one day, I'm sure, Sean, hopefully. Hey. so.
0: The door's always ready to swing open this year, hopefully.
1: Hopefully, hopefully, yes. Well, um, today, Sean, we are here to talk about some early ROH themes. Yes, Ring of Honor, back-running TV. It just started a few days ago uh, under the guise of one Tony Khan. So a very timely episode here. And um, speaking of timely, it was just last month, in February, the 21st anniversary of the very first Ring of Honor show, The Era of Honor Begins. And, um, you know, ROH, a very long and expansive history, and much like a TNA, I I think, ROH has been through its fair share of ups and downs and owners and booking changes and all that stuff. But you can't deny the, the sheer importance of a company like ROH to not just American indie wrestling, but wrestling in general. I mean, AEW has so many roots in ROH, same with you know the peak era of NXT ROH helped bring new Japan stars over to America during their you know golden run they had obviously again the history of ROH is super long and dense and we can't get through it all in one night here but still it's a company that has made just a huge mark in wrestling for sure Sean
0: without early ROH i doubt that i'm even the somewhat lapsed fan of wrestling that i am today after after the monday night wars ended and after after wwe and wwf became what they sort of became it i just started to really lose interest but when i first started hearing about roh and getting those first dvds in it was like oh there's stuff happening still that's worth seeing because i mean at the time it's not like now where you could see 40 promotions from all over the world just on your computer so, I mean, getting those ROH DVDs in the mail every couple weeks was was manna from heaven at that point.
1: Mm. Did you go to uh, many ROH shows back in the day when they were in uh, Chicago?
0: For about the first three years of ROH, I was at pretty much every Chicago show that they did. A couple of the uh, other ones around the region up in like Wisconsin. But yeah, I, I pretty much made sure to get to every ROH show. I I was there for... I was there for Punk versus Joe too. I was there for the the time when all the chairs started flying in the ring, like the uh, ECW homage. <laughs> I, I, I I slapped that barricade a few times and walked out with my hands hurting and my ears ringing from it. <laughs> and those were those were amazing shows. They, they they seriously were just the kind of thing that made me stay watching because TV wrestling at that point was just. It was the reign of terror for Triple H and even though you had some good stuff happening like the Smackdown 6 and all that it just it lost the passion ROH was the only company there that I actually found myself invested in at any point in those in that sort of early part of the 2000s mid 2000s and they really were the launch pad for the people who kept me interested in, in wrestling to this day I mean I It's kind of a circular thing. My interest in ROH waned back in the middle part of that decade when Punk left to go to WWE. And my interest in AEW kind of waned now that Punk is possibly likely gone. When Danielson left ROH and then when Danielson left WWE, those guys were the links that kept me attached to wrestling throughout the last 15 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've said before a bunch on the show now that um, I'm going through classic ROH show by show, and even in just the first you know couple of years, the matches that I've seen so far have been nothing short of awesome. And yeah, nothing like I would see you know as a 10-year-old kid on, in WWE back then. I mean, you had guys like Loki and Danielson and Christopher Daniels and Joe and Doug Williams and AJ and Paul London and Homicide and Punk and the Briscoes and... Later on, Nigel and and Generation Next and all those guys, and they're having these just amazing matches. And this is all within a two or three year span before Joe versus Kobashi, before the Dragon Gate Six Man, before the CCW invasion, which just cranked up the volume even more. So, yeah, it's just a proper goldmine of stuff for guys who became big names in wrestling to this day. I mean, Brian Danielson was there at the beginning. He's a big star today still. You know, AJ Styles was there at the beginning. He's still around today. Samoa Joe and Daniels and so many guys, they're all on TV right now. And would they have made it without ROH? Yeah, sure. I mean, they're too good not to have. But guys like Brian, guys like Joe and and Punk, of course, they really made their bones in ROH. That was their dominion, Sean.
0: Uh, It's interesting you talk about doing a rewatch and some of the big names that you mentioned. What stood out so much was how everything on the cards seemed light years different than what else was happening in on again compared to what you were seeing on tv that point i mean some of the teams were going to some of the people were going to talk about special k uh dsats uh those were i mean the 18 year old briscoes those were guys who, I mean, they weren't the top of the card. They weren't the main event, but even they just seemed like something so fresh and different. And I know that when people go back, sometimes they talk about how the, one of the problems with ROH was the cards were too long and they were, everyone was just trying to get their shit in and everyone was doing too much. And at that point you needed that excess Something had to come along and just, wash away everything that was left over from the end of the Monday night wars era and the, the end of the steroid era, if you want to call it that. And just, you needed something that was completely palate cleansing, not just, not just a little amuse-bouche of good wrestling, if you will.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, think of the context of the time period, you know, this is right after the Attitude Era, a time when work rate and match quality and you know, serious technical wrestling matches, those were not the priority. The priority was big characters, big angles, racy stuff, boobs, swearing, the whole nine yards. That was the priority. And you're not gonna get matches like Loki versus Bryan Danielson or Joe versus Punk in, you know, late stage WCW folks. You're just you're just not gonna get that there. Okay? I'm sorry, but you could in ROH. I mean that was a place that did emphasize great wrestling matches. And Nowadays, yeah, the standard of wrestling is so much higher, and we have so much access to great wrestling from all over the world. Yeah, you go back to watch those classic matches, and it's like, yeah, okay, it's good, but it's nothing special, really. But back then, it was special. Back then, it was different and and cool, Sean.
0: Exactly. 20 years ago, there was – it was just so bleak, and – ROH, I know that I think I speak for pretty much my entire sort of generation of fans who came of age during the Monday Night Wars and then had nowhere to go after it, that without ROH, we'd all just be watching Australian Rules football or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Of course, it wasn't all good. I mean, it's important to remember that like any era of wrestling or any company or whatever, there's a lot of stuff that gets remembered fondly and rightly so. But there's a lot of junk, too. I mean, the first segment on the first ROH show is the infamous Hit Squad, Christopher Street Connection squash angle thingy, which, oh boy, that does uh, not play well in this day and age. No siree. And um, there's a lot of man and woman violence, too. A lot of homophobia and uh, creepy commentary about women from Gabe Sapolsky, um, a.k.a. Chris Lovey, a.k.a. Jimmy Bauer. Um, Wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> sorry to ruin the magic for you there, Sean. I'm sorry about that, but... Uh,
0: <laughs> I believe in nothing now.
1: <laughs> there are a fair bit of lowlights, that's for sure. But look, you also have the Punk Joe trilogy. You know, you got Joe versus Kobashi. It's, it's swings and roundabouts, Sean, okay? that That's what it is.
0: It was the energy. Even the stuff that was just sloppy spot fests, it was the energy compared to just the plotting. May, may anyone who ever had issues with ROH having too much going on be forced to watch Triple H versus Scott Steiner in hell for all eternity. <laughs> so, I mean, even though it was awful stuff sometimes, and yeah, I mean, obviously the, the sort of cultural mores that have shifted in the last 20 years make some of the things a little cringeworthy, but it was what it was. And at the time, we all, some of us thought, oh, this is still icky, but we're willing to eat it in order to get to the good stuff. And if that means that we're all, everyone over the age of 40 is canceled. So <laughs> be it.
1: It happens to the best of us. Of course it happens.
0: <laughs> and me too.
1: <laughs> so let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have seven on the docket today. Um, all of them from 02 to 04. First couple of years there. And uh, of course, Sean, we have to start off here by adhering to the code of honor and virtually shaking hands. Uh, so there we go. Just, code of honor here too, thankfully there so good
0: good worker handshake of course
1: of course of course yes yes well we'll start off with a man who did not respect the code of honor during the first few years the man who made a vent of the first roh show the fallen angel christopher daniels this is by marilyn manson off the album holy wood in the shadow of the valley of death this is disposable teens good place to start, I think. Um, Daniel's an ROH icon, an important part of the company for many years, a former ROH world champion, uh, part of the reboot today, actually. Um, But it also shows the ROH music template for those first number of years, which is real songs, real artists, copyrights be damned. And (laughs) it also emphasizes the grittiness that a lot of ROH themes had in those days. You A lot of metal, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of rock and roll. And you can't get grittier or more guttural or dirtier than a Marilyn Manson, both with the music and his personal life too, Sean. So uh, a good place to start, that's for sure.
0: Speaking of people who are canceled nowadays, <laughs> I I find it interesting that Christopher Daniels, whose entire shtick was being the anti-honor, the anti-code of honor, the one who was trying to sort of tear down this otherwise very pristine idea was using Marilyn manson around the same time that smackdown was of course using Marilyn manson as their entrance theme because what's more anti-roh than coming out to the same same music that that triple h and hulk hogan are coming out to on on tv every week (laughs) or at least the same artist and it's like, I just think that that's a nice little bit of serendipity. I don't know if anyone thought of that at the time, but...
1: I mean, I didn't think of it at all until you brought it up there, so there you go, yeah. Um, it's a good fit for Daniels, too, in that with the Fallen Angel gimmick he has, of course, it's not really satanic, per se, just more of a, a dark, religious bent to him. The prophecy stable, uh, that's the gospel according to the Fallen Angel catchphrase, the last rites finisher... This song, it's more about disaffected youth than religion, but it references God in there, and there's plenty of of anger and vile and darkness in it, too. So um, I think in that sense, it's a good fit for Daniels as a theme song, Sean.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he definitely was doing the, the cult leader gimmick, a nice bridge between sort of Kevin Sullivan to Bray Wyatt, but he also... It's funny because he has – it's such a discordant and shouty and just angry, yelly song. And Christopher Daniels, even as a heel, he was just so absurdly smooth in everything that he did. When I was listening to this and thinking about him, I, I just had one thought in my head. You, you 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 know Richard Cheese? Oh, of course, yeah. I, I, I want the Richard Cheese uh, – Lounge version of Disposable Teens to be Christopher Daniels' uh,
1: walkout <laughs> song
0: in the new uh, Tony Khan Ring of Honor.
1: He's got the money for it. I mean, he could certainly you know buy the rights for sure.
0: <laughs> exactly. How much can it cost to get Richard Cheese? Twenty bucks? Fifty bucks? <laughs> one one other fun one thing I did notice though with this is, I, I, as as always, I kind of look to the lyrics as much or more for some of these than I do the music, and so much of the song is about a revolution so you say you want a revolution i say you're full of shit. we're disposable tools and i feel like that kind of fits also since so much of the ethos of that early roh era was we're good fans we like good wrestling which makes us good people (laughs) and there's kind of this guy here saying no you're building up this completely false evolution of wrestling it's a fake revolution. It's just the same people beating themselves up for your entertainment. You're no better or somehow morally superior to Joe WWF fan who's rooting for the Undertaker. And this idea that, oh, we have Ring of Honor. We shake hands. We're good people who do this the right way. It's bullshit. And the fact that the song kind of says the same thing for him seems appropriate.
1: I mean, the whole thing is Manson doing a piss take on the Beatles revolution and that whole generation of hippies and peace and free love, man. It's like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Look where you're at now. you know. Look what you grew up to be and look at our generation where we're at now with the world of where it is. So um, yeah, it's a good connection there for sure, too, Sean. Good point.
0: I, I just have to drop the anecdote in here of that. One of my all-time favorite moments with Christopher Daniels was running into him at the uh, the Squared Circle restaurants in Chicago after, uh, after a, a I don't remember if it was a TNA show or an ROH show, but God bless him. He and uh, Frankie Kazarian were there and just making so much fun of Magnus to the point where they were like texting other people to make fun of Magnus <laughs> who like weren't <laughs> at the other wrestlers on the roster. <laughs> it's like, this guy's cool. I like him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, speaking of TNA, uh, this was, of course, used as the basis for his TNA theme, which he had for many years and still has today, actually. Um, so, yeah, Dale Oliver, he uh, – sorry, Garrett Kinney. He uh, borrowed a few notes and phrases from this song for uh, for the TNA theme there. But, uh, yeah, but – but, yeah, I mean, Daniel's – I mean, again, he's still going today. still around, 52 years old, and it's funny because back then, when ROH was first starting out – the other wrestlers considered him to be like the old man of the group. And he was 30 for God's sake. And and he was like the old timer of the group. It's it's crazy, but he's still around and he outlasted a lot of guys who are much younger than him, so good on him.
0: Absolutely incredible the way the man is still moving around. I, I I'm I'm like still years away from being that old and I it takes me twenty minutes to get out of bed
1: in the morning. <laughs> Theme number two, and it's for the king of old school, Steve Carino. ECW legend, ROH original, was on the first number of shows as a commentator before wrestling there. Um, Some very problematic commentary, mind you, but uh, (laughs) still, he was there at the beginning. His theme is by Scooter, off the album Age of Love. This is Fire. Switch Switch off the the lights lights. lights. and close close your your eyes. eyes. Feel the The energy. energy. Inside, chili bowl, chili bowl, chili bowl, bow. fire! You know, I think of the iconic lyrics of rock and roll throughout history. You know, I can't get no satisfaction. Excuse me while I kiss the sky. Chili bow. Chili bow. This is a bit different than Marilyn Manson. Uh, Less weird, creepy industrial metal. More German techno dance music. But um, I still enjoy it. I can't lie. I don't know much, Scooter, but... I do like this song. Uh, and it's one Carino had in a lot of places. Uh, Zero One, of course. MLW, Noah. It feels like an odd mix for a Steve Carino type. Um, this might be more befitting of like a Special K, perhaps. But uh, still, a pretty fun song, song Sean, I think.
0: In my, in my notes for this podcast, because I, I, I do prepare and take things seriously, I had one note in all caps... And that was, Andrew, can you explain what exactly a chili bow is?
1: Um, I assume it's when an archer puts his bow in the freezer to make it nice and cool. So he has a nice chili bow. That, that's my guess, Sean. What's yours? I,
0: I, I was thinking it was perhaps what happens when you just, you get too into your bowl of chili and it starts to spill and maybe makes like a little bow tie along <laughs> your uh, neckline.
1: A chili, that's, that's good, yeah. Or, uh, the, uh... When they do the uh, the late '90s dance fitness craze in a cold Ooh. environment, it's not Tybo, it's Chillybo. So there you go.
0: <laughs> I I wanted like you said that this is an odd fit for Kurino, you know, and that's all I could think of when I was listening to this because I don't mind I don't mind him having rap. He, he, he having rap that that's perfect. But if Steve Carino is going to have a rap song, it needs to be with that old school cadence. And you know exactly the cadence I'm talking about. You know the one where it's like, his name is Andrew, and he's here to say we can talk <laughs> about wrestling themes all day. That, that, that would be appropriate for old school Steve Carino, the man who seriously just seemed like he was teleported right out of a 1982 territory show. For forehead and all. <laughs>
1: Well, the thing about Carino, you know, is that he always came across, like, a big deal. And the entrance was a big part of that. I mean, the entrance was this whole thing with him coming out with the Team Carino rookies. And he had his own ring announcer, um, which originally was Bobby Cruz. That was Bobby Cruz's intro to ROH way back when. And he would do these, like, super long intros for Steve Carino that went, like, five or six minutes. So I think the bombasticity of A Song Like Fire works in that sense um but after this he came out to a remix of oh fortuna which ramped up the craziness even more um but this is the more fun song of the two i think with the the sing-along lyrics hey 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 so uh i think i prefer this one over "O oh, fortuna myself uh sean
0: oh yeah I, 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 oh fortuna I'll, I'll get to, i'll have to mention that again later because i have thoughts about orchestral music and wrestling and but i love the idea that this song is not only just, it's, it's bombastic and also unpleasant in a lot of ways. It's, it's not a nice, fun listen. It, it, it's, it pumps you up. It gets the blood going, but it's an unpleasant song for an unpleasant man, which, which I appreciate. It's funny because I never really got to have the live Carino experience much. He didn't really do the Midwest swings as much which is leads to a bit of a historical oddity. Somewhere in my vast treasure trove of crap, I have an ROH signed poster, because the big draw on the show that I was going to that night was supposed to be Mick Foley making an appearance. And so the poster signed by Mick and all the other guys on the show. But, and it has what the originally scheduled main event of the night was. And it was supposed to be Samoa Joe, versus Steve Carino for the ROH title. Steve Carino was not able to make it that night. He canceled relatively soon beforehand. I want to say in the few days before. Definitely not enough time to print new posters. So instead that night they ended up giving Chicago Joe versus Punk 2, the first five-star match in North America in America in 7 or 8 years. The match, one of the matches that people say saved ROH with a with this with the DVD sales from that trilogy, best match I've ever seen live, and all of that is because Steve Carino just didn't re, couldn't make his Midwest swing that week, so it's like I never got to enjoy that that giant entrance live, but I'm willing to make the trade off for 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 the show that I did get that night. <laughs>
1: it's a it's a fair trade-off i'd say yeah yeah um but uh but nowadays this is better known as the theme song for senshiro takagi in ddt with the stone cold glass breaks uh, in it but um and, and actually you and i heard this song live at the ddt show we went to a media weekend a few years ago in new york so we got to hear this song in a wrestling context one last time there sean <laughs> there you go lucky you
0: <laughs> and it definitely fit in in ddt Oh, absolutely. There, that sounded just right. <laughs> and thank thank goodness nothing happened that night otherwise the entire voices of wrestling staff would have uh, been decimated.
1: <laughs> Up next is a group theme for one of the big stables of early ROH, Special K. Uh, emphasis on big because they had a lot of members. I believe I have the full list right here. Izzy, Dixie, Deranged, Angel Dust, Cheech, Cloudy, Partly Cloudy, A Chance of Meatballs, Joey Matthews, Jody Fleisch, Hydro, High Jinx, Hydrox, Hyrule, Crazy K, Slim J, Vitamin C, Malcolm X, Slugga, Anti Slugga, Mikey Whipwreck, Abyss, Lit, Mellow, Mo, Larry, Curly, Shemp, Elax, Becky Bayless, Lacey, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Pink, Mr. Black, Yeo, Brian XL, Steve Medium, Dana Damson, Steve Chong, and of course the big one, Bitey. The special K theme that everyone knows and loves is by Zenith and Dana. This is Victims of Hardstyle, Greco DiTufo Mix. Are you ready? Bring on the smoke. Turn up the lights. Can you feel the energy? I said, can you feel the energy? Okay.
0: Now. Get ready to lose your mind. Get ready to lose control. Now, you're a victim of hard style.
1: I said, can you feel the energy? Get ready to lose your mind. Get ready to lose control. You're about to enter the Twilight Zone. doo 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 oh wait, wrong intro there, um, yeah, no shocker that the Rave Stable has a rave song, and no shocker that they have the most annoying fucking rave song ever. Just blee, 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 over and over and over again, like an ice pick in your brain. And Special K, you know, the group of annoying rich kid raver shitbags, it's a match made in glow stick heaven, Sean.
0: I believe you forgot Rod Serling and Wario as uh, other members of Special K. <laughs> Rod Serling was a one time guest appearance, though, admittedly. This is music that makes you want to see somebody die. Not just get hurt. You want to see someone get, like, thrown off the roof of the building, through the mat, and into the very fires of hell. Which is perfect, because that's what Loki spent about, like, six months doing (laughs) to them. And I think that might be the most perfect feud in wrestling history. Because it's just the grumpiest, angriest man in the world... Versus the rich shitbag ravers, and all this guy wants to do is kick them into respect, and they'll never—he'll never be able to do it because they're assholes. But he'll just keep kicking and kicking and kicking because he's low key, and low key is the angriest man who's ever walked the planet, <laughs> which which is what makes him so wonderful—absolutely unemployable, but <laughs> wonderful. Also, I—I I have to say. I don't know if you've taken advantage of it, but I am part of a class action suit uh, for Victims of Hardstyle. We're we're hoping to get a good settlement out of this.
1: I hope you get some money, because having to hear this song at ROH shows for like two and a half years straight, you, you deserve some compensation, because, I mean, this is not like The Final Countdown or The Champ Is Here or The Truth or whatever, where, yeah, it's a cool badass song. No, this is a really annoying song to listen to. But again, that's the point. This is a heel act, a heel act that is not trying to be cool or badass or edgy. No, they are just the most annoying, raver jackasses you've ever met. And yeah, you want to see these guys get the crap beat out of them so badly. And because they were just a bunch of young, skinny little bendy dudes, they were really good at getting the crap beat out of them. And at the end of the day, Sean... Wrestling is all about seeing a bunch of guys get the crap beat out of them. It's it's perfect.
0: It's it's a shame that ROH didn't have. I mean, the work rate was great because everyone they had was athletic and no real like giant plotting sort of guys. But watching Special K and I, I went back and watched some some footage of them to prepare for this, and all I could think is, man, imagine like a Sid running <laughs> against these guys, just like power bombing them left and right. How how beautiful would it have been?
1: That would have been amazing.
0: Also, I'm pretty certain that this music plays at every suburban haunted house during the Halloween season, especially <laughs> that opening 30 seconds or so that that sadly didn't get used as much in the ROH theme library. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard that right before I saw like the guy I went to high school with dressed as Freddy Krueger.
1: <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. You're in my math class. Get out of here. Get out of here, <laughs> Freddy. Come on. <laughs>
0: there's not enough music that really makes you hate people that are coming out to it anymore. It's like everyone has good music, but this is something that's different. No one, these guys music just makes you pissed off at them. The minute (laughs) you hear it, like even before you see them, the fact that you're listening to this, you're like, whomever comes through this curtain is an asshole, and I don't like them, and I want to see them lose. I don't care if Mother Teresa comes waddling her wrinkled ass out to this song. I'm going to want to see her power bomb through a table.
1: That's quite the visual you just brought up to, to mind there, Sean. So,
0: Well, I mean, I've been e-fetting that for 20 years, so I've been, I've been practicing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, um, but I, I was being a bit silly with the list of names earlier, but still without the joke names it's still a big big group and it's pretty amazing that for a group that size only i think one or two people really made it as like actual proper stars i mean hydra of course Jay lethal is the main one but you know joey matthews as well he was in wwe with eminem and the authority later on of course but besides that i mean most of the guys in the group just didn't go that far really the the hit rate was you know not that great um i mean slim j is in the new roh now with the Trustbusters, of course and, and god love him for it but uh Still, a lot of guys just kind of fell by the wayside, I guess.
0: They were perfect cannon fodder. One or two guys can come out of it and actually be talented, but most of it was they needed somebody to fall off of things and be thrown through things. And goddamn, they did so well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Moving on now to our next theme, and it's for another former ROH world champion, the second world champ, Xavier a member of the Prophecy as well. Xavier's theme is by Drug Smugglers. This is The Word, PMT Remix. I think a good example of the music being cooler than the wrestler like this is sleek house music it's all cool and badass and then you have Xavier who he wasn't bad but he wasn't made out to be the coolest guy around the must see wrestler the ultimate badass his whole gimmick was that he didn't deserve to be ROH world champion he wasn't as good as a low key or an AJ Styles or a Danielson so he had to cheat but he still thought of himself as the all around best so he's got this cool music, man. So yeah, that that might be you know English major bullshit on my part there, but that's how I kind of see this going, uh, Sean.
0: Well, as a uh, as a grad as a graduate uh, student English person with a master's in fine arts, I I, I understand this way of looking at things. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading through, I was looking up the stuff about this song, and I was looking. There was a piece in there that was triggering a, something in me, and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I went back and looked up the original version of the word before it got remixed, and there's a sample from the song Greece by Frankie Valley in there.
1: Well Grease is the word, so yeah, there you go.
0: Blew my mind. And it's funny, I thought it reminded me because Greece is one of those things that's looked back on now with such nostalgia. And I feel like it's kind of undergone waves of like people like, oh, Greece, it was such a fun thing, or oh my god, this is awful. And I feel like Xavier's kind of gotten that treatment. When he started, when he was actually in ROH, everyone hated him for the exact reasons you said. He was not that great, especially compared to the top work rate guys in the promotion. He was the undeserving champion. He was the sort of shitbag heel champ. And he brought down the quality of main events to some degree i mean after those first few where you had loki and danielson and daniels and then the internet like over the years it turned him into he was the worst per- person who's ever wrestled he's i'd rather watch a zach gowan comp tape than uh than xavier matches but then as as always happens it started to turn, and suddenly it's you know, Xavier wasn't that bad. Maybe we were too hard on him. He's eh, he was okay, he was decent, he was playing his role, yada yada yada. And I feel like, just on some discourse that I've seen over the last year or so, that we might finally be almost to the point where Xavier was underrated for so long that he's that he might get overrated now by the next, next, next generation <laughs> of people reviewing him. And it, it just seems like. Especially now with the uh, the Tony Khan Ring of Honor, or Ring of Connor, if you will. Oh. And sadly, Olivia Newton-John passing recently. I think it's time for, we can have another critical reassessment of both of these things and realize that they were they were delightfully mediocre, but <laughs> that they don't need to be lionized or villainized in, in our time. The one that I want is a great song, but on the other hand, Greece as a movie was... Not that great, and again had some very cancelable moments. And Xavier was okay in the ra- in the line of ROH champions. He's definitely the sore thumb that sticks out, but his music was cool. His music was cooler than him, and it's fun for me also because think back to Loki, the first champ's music. It's so. I mean, it's the theme. It's the Mortal Kombat sound, the Mortal Technique, yada yada. And it's just so deadly, serious, and martial, and ready for a fight in the dojo for the future of humanity against Shang Tsung. (laughs) Whereas this, this has got this got some swagger to it. It's got a little move to it, and I think that's important because you couldn't have ROH always be the low-key ROH, the the Ring of Honor, Code of Honor. We are just grapplers fighting for glory. So as much as Xavier was a step down in the ring, he was really important, I think, in getting that characterization going and the real sense that, OK, there's more to it than just how many moves are we going to be able to do. That there is a story to be told sometimes and that there is something to be said for being cool and something to be said for ambiance.
1: Well, first of all, that has to be the first time that Xavier and Olivia Newton-John were mentioned in the same breath there. So uh, congrats on doing that and making history. Uh, <laughs> um, we trailblaze here. We yeah, trail blaze. of course, of course, yeah. But um, but you mentioned like the dichotomy between you know, super serious, low-key fighter guy and Xavier, there was also one between Xavier and Daniels, because the first incarnation of the prophecy was Daniels, Alice in Danger, Donovan Morgan, and Xavier. So you've got, like, Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels with this, you know, Marilyn Manson theme and the rope and the prophecy will be fulfilled shtick and all that stuff. And then there's you know, AC Slater Xavier over here with the word, the word, the word. And he's doing these more typical heel promos and and shtick. So it was a weird dynamic, I think, for sure. But then again, the prophecy later on would have like BJ Whitburn and Dan Moff, who were also kind of uh, a weird mesh of vibes with uh, Daniels, I think. So uh, yeah, the the prophecy was always kind of a a curious little uh, mishmash of people there uh, for sure, Sean.
0: It's possible that the prophecy was a bit muddled over time. Maybe maybe they didn't have it quite word for word figure it out what it was. Get it? Word? Word?
1: Oh, sir. <laughs> Look at you over here. Uh, yeah. Um, one more thing before we move on here. Um, and it's a sad one, but uh, R.I.P. Xavier. Uh, he was supposed to be on that uh, ROH past versus present show in 2020 that we are going to do. the pandemic hit, and um, he was going to face lethal on that show, and he died later that year, Uh, only 42, for God's sake, just so, so, so young, it's so just awful and tragic, and yeah, going back to watch him, he wasn't bad, he wasn't bad at all, but in a company with Loki, and Danielson, and Joe, and Daniels, and Styles, and London, he wasn't on that level. And they made him the champ to go along with that story, of course. That didn't really help the prestige of the belt, mind you. But you know, then Joe won it and got a lot better from there. But as far as like filling a role, he filled it pretty well. So, yeah, RIP Xavier. Damn right. That's
0: God, forty-two is too damn young.
1: Well, uh, theme number five here, and uh, Hus, Hus. It's for a former ROH tag team champion, Hus, Hus. It's Jimmy Jacobs. Hus! I'll stop, I'll stop, I'm sorry. Uh, his theme is by Stan Bush. Off the Transformers the movie soundtrack, this is The Touch. You got the touch! You got the power! Wait a minute, this isn't Dirk Diggler. What's going on here? Where's Roller Girl? Where's, where's Thomas Jane at? Um, yes, th- this is you know the ultimate plucky underdog face theme. After all is said and done, you've never walked, you've never run, you're a winner. You got the moves, you know the streets, break the rules, take the heat, you're nobody's fool. You're at your best when the going gets rough. You've been put to the test, but it's never enough. You got the touch! You got the power! It is so 80s and delightful, and I want to give Optimus Prime a big high-five, Sean.
0: I need to take a centering breath for a moment, because we're talking about Jimmy Jacobs. And... Jimmy Jacobs, Berserk, Baby Berserker-era Jimmy Jacobs. Really liked him. Jimmy Loves Lacey-era Jimmy Jacobs. Loved it. Goth Jimmy Jacobs. My most hated wrestler, possibly my most hated person in the history of the world. I fucking hated him so much. I was there the night the Age of the Fall started when they hung.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Hung Briscoe up on the thing, and he was bleeding on Jimmy Jacobs, and all of these little twelve-year-old kids who were dressed as ninjas, essentially, were trying to get through the through us to get to the front throw to jump over the bal- the railing and be part they're part of the skit, and they were just losing their minds because we weren't letting them through, and I I literally Rich Kraich has had the pleasure of being at wrestling shows with me where Jimmy Jacobs has appeared and been legitimately concerned that I might try to jump the rail to go after him. (laughs) And not in a good way, not in the, he's not in the 1980s, start a riot in Greensboro because Dusty's getting beat up in the cage way. But in the, I am going to take vengeance on you for killing my family and make sort of way, which I think he, I think he was awful enough as a character that And he made me so annoyed that I think that that's about equivalent to if he'd killed my family. But I don't like my family that much, so I suppose that's here nor there. But Baby Berserker Jimmy. He was fun. He was fun. And just the 80s, the the, the Optimus Prime, the nostalgia. It was something that, again, was kind of like... Lacking in ROH at that point. Because again, everyone was serious. It was such a serious promotion. And I mean, that was great because you needed, again, you needed that sort of tonic after the after Monday Night Wars and with WWF. But there there seemed to be no room at first for people who were having fun doing wrestling. It's like there were they were either the faces were low key and Brian Danielson who were just wrestle 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 or the heels were just like asshole shitbags and you're like why are you even here like our friend special k it's like why aren't you just at a rave listening to your bad song but but jimmy jimmy was enjoyed wrestling and the the, the touch is the perfect song for that like you were saying you never bend you never break jimmy jacobs could get his ass kicked like a little baby berserker and he would keep fighting And he was adorable with Lacey and I don't know what happened, but we're all older now and I think some of the anger has finally subsided. And Rich will be happy to know that I didn't have a stroke talking about Jimmy Jacobs on this show. And my wife's going to ask me why I was yelling now and I'll have to explain to her it was because of Jimmy Jacobs. And she'll say, "Who the fuck is that?" And I'll say, "You don't want to know." And then she'll wonder why she's married to me, but that's that's neither here nor there.
1: <laughs> she wonders that every day, folks. But I'm bummed. Hoss. Hoss. Uh- <laughs> <Huss!
0: laughs> Seriously, it, it, how funny it's so to fun around doing that with your hand, with the palm out. You have to have the palm out when you do it.
1: It's very addictive. It's very addictive, yeah. But it's so much fun to think about, like, the contrasts here, which, again, so many cool, badass songs for Homicide and Joe and Daniels and, like, the Carnage crew, who are themselves all badasses or whatever. And then there's this, which is just pure 80s optimism. And it's sort of a contrast with Jimmy Jacobs himself, too, in a way, because, yes, he's the plucky good guy, for the first couple of years there, but he was also doing the Bruiser, Brody, Berserker, Furry Boots, Hus Huss, Huss thing, which what that has to do with, you know, this song, I, I don't know, but it's such a, an interesting mix of, of character styles there. But uh, that's, that's Jimmy Jacobs' forte, just being very, you know, offbeat, Sean, so.
0: And it works because Jimmy Jacobs is like five foot eight and 170 pounds walking around with boots that weighed about one quarter of his body weight. <laughs> I mean, if he was six five and two eighty, it would have been a complete failure. But I mean, it's it's seriously, it's like he, he's he's junior, he's he's junior berserker, he's baby berserker. And that's that's plucky, that's fun, that's he's essentially an 80s kid who grew up and tried to become a life a version of one of the wrestling figures he had. Instead of becoming Optimus Prime, he became his Berserker LJN figure.
1: Mm. Thankfully, he was a lot more, uh, you know, limber and loose than the uh, L.G.N. figures. Those were uh, those were working stiff, brother. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he was a lot more uh, pliable. I think uh, was uh, was Jimmy. Hey, they,
0: they 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 were big though. That's the important thing. You couldn't do much with them, but man, they were. They felt they felt powerful in your hand. The Hulk Hogan LJN figure. That thing. It would kick the crap out of those little N.W.A. and A.W.A. types, or even your G.I. Joes. He he, just stomp on him.
1: <laughs> of course, um, later on, with the Age of the Fall gimmick, they went in a very different direction than this song uh, with Jimmy's music, uh, with the Laurie Strode scream and the uh, Walls of Jericho song there. But uh, between you and me, Sean, I prefer The Touch um, okay. or The Ballad of Lacey. You know, either one, I think.
0: <laughs> Ballad, of Lacey is, Ballad of Lacey should have won at least three or four Grammys. There's... <laughs> there's a couple of things that are missing and I, I i said there's not enough music that makes you hate people i need more cheesy music in wrestling that was uh, god, god bless dave prazak because he, him running shimmer was a absolute like library of cheesy 80s music songs and crowds love those i mean i remember like A.A.W. shows where people would come out to like Don't Stop Believing" and the crowds would get all over that or All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Have some more fun music. Come on, people. People like to sing along to things.
1: I mean, if you learned anything from Judas, that's 100% true. You know, every goddamn week with this song.
0: <laughs> I mean, people will sing to a freaking Fozzie song. No one wants to sing to a Fozzie song, but just be it's, it's that fun to sing along to things.
1: By the way, uh, do you know what Jimmy Jacobs' favorite character actor from King of the Hill and Halt and Catch Fire is? I do not. Toby Huss! 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 (laughs) That's for all the uh, Halt and Catch Fire fans out there who are no doubt laughing their asses off at that one. So you're welcome, folks. You're welcome.
0: I can hear them echoing in the breeze now.
1: Hmm. Second to last theme here and it's for another stable Another big early ROH stable Generation Next Alex Shelley, Austin Aries Roderick Strong and Jack Evans And you know this Man Man. The Gen Next theme is by The Melvins of their album (sighs) Electro Retard, that's their name Not mine, don't cancel me goddammit This is Interstellar Overdrive (laughs) Cover of the Pink Floyd song, uh, one of their early ones with Sid Barrett still in the group, so it's uh, long and psychedelic and weird, of course. Um, the Melvin's version also gets a bit weird and out there as it goes along, but the uh, thing is, this is a 10-minute long song, and the entrance goes, what, a minute, two minutes maybe, if they even aired on the DVD. You know, sometimes they would just heavily edit or even remove the entrances for matches if the DVD was running long, so, yeah, we only typically get, like, the opening riffs of the song where it's still, like, quote-unquote normal, but even then, you know, I can't say I'm a big fan of this one. It's just kind of a standard guitar instrumental. Um, I mean, Gen Next, of course, a very important stable in ROH history, but never really a big fan of this music, Sean.
0: There's one part early on, since, as we said, doesn't, obviously, they'll do the all nine minutes, although that would have been a
1: tremendous
0: heel move. <laughs> but early on, and in, in, I want to say around the 45 second mark there's a point where the guitar riff starts to sound very much like a spaghetti western and it has that sort of vibe to it of the young gunslinger coming to town to challenge the to challenge the old the old king of the street and I thought I, I, I Obviously, I'd forgotten that long ago. But listening to that again, I was struck. It's like, okay, I, I, there's there's something thematic here that fits for me, even though the rest of the, a lot of it is very just sort of guitar wonkery. But that little bit caught me, like just a 10 or 15 second stretch where it's like they're they're going full on, uh, full on good, the bad, and the ugly, or uh, for a few dollars more with it, and that. I dug that. Also there was a really cool breakdown around the two minute thirty second mark that sadly I'm sure never made it onto their DVD. <laughs> but man, it, it it just sounds like somebody like let a rabid possum loose in the studio for about thirty seconds and it just ran around hitting a bunch of buttons. And I like that.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, the concept of the new young gunslinger in town. That was the theme of the group, really. I mean They're called Generation Next. It's in the name, for God's sake, you know. They just showed up one day and attacked a bunch of guys and said, we're taking your spots. And by the end of the year, you know, Austin Aries beats Samoa Joe for the ROH world title. And he ends Joe's just legendary title reign. It was a massive, massive deal. So, yeah, the comparison is, I think, pretty apt, Sean, for sure.
0: Amazing It's a group that was scummy enough to make CM Punk a face. I mean, that... you think back to Punk in ROH, when he went in there, I mean, he was just absolute awful heel. Nope, just completely unlikable. But these guys were so awful and obnoxious and sneaky and shitty that Punk ended up having to turn face and defend Ricky Steamboat just, just on general principles.
1: I mean, Jack Evans, you know, that guy, what can you say? I mean, from the moment he walked out through the curtain to the moment he walked back through the curtain, he was always on. Uh, You know, I mean, Special K was annoying. Jack Evans, that guy, would just never shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just constantly running his mouth before the matches, during the matches, after the matches, backstage in promos. This guy was just constantly being annoying and doing his break dancing and doing the karate stuff and you're like, God, this guy just won't shut the fuck up. I want someone to beat the crap out of him. And sure enough, Samoa Joe will be around to just hit him out of his shoes and Danielson would just twist him into pretzels because he was so bendy and it's like, yeah, he was he was such a great annoying prick for sure. And, and that whole group, I mean, Gen X, I said it before, but they were such a major, major facet of ROH for, you know, a couple years there, because, you know, there was the prophecy or whatever, but after the Feinstein scandal, there had to be, like, a, uh, you know, a a reboot of sorts, and that led to Gen Next happening, and the Rottweilers happening, and those two groups became, you know, the top two heel stables uh, for the next couple of years there. So, um, yeah, just just great stuff, for sure.
0: Jack Evans. Such an annoying heel, but my God. He... There are only two times I can ever think of where I was in a room and I saw somebody doing something so athletic that I just, my jaw just went like plop. One of them was I when I was sort of, when I was a senior in high school through a very convoluted series of events, I ended up playing a few games of pickup basketball against another high school senior by the name of Kevin Garnett. You may have heard of him.
1: It rings a bell or two. Yeah, yeah.
0: And watching Kevin Garnett running around a basketball court at age 17, 18 years old was, it was like watching the next evolution of humanity. It's like, this is is what humans will be in a thousand years when we're taking over other planets. The first time I saw Jack Evans moving around live was like that. He still is... The most absolutely mind-blowing thing I've seen I've ever had the ability to see wrestling-wise. Just the movement and the the combination of grace and danger. Because he looked like every single thing was right on the verge of breaking his neck and probably the necks of his opponents, the ref and everyone in the front row. <laughs> but it didn't most of the time. <laughs> And it's just, it, as much, it's like that was the defining thing of early ROH in a lot of ways for me was like, all the wrestling was amazing, but Jack Evans was like, okay, this is something new that can happen in wrestling. And I hadn't really, I mean, I hadn't been exposed to some of the most insane, like, Japanese junior stuff, and all of us in America were, like a few years away from, like, the Dragon Gate Six Man and all that so this was like this was again seeing where things can go. And I feel like every time that like the Will Ospreay Ricochet GIF got shared, someone should have sent Jack Evans a dollar. Because he he was that vanguard and one of the few guys who I could ever honestly say I've paid money to show, to go to show solely because I knew he was on the bill.
1: And he's still going today too. Um, amazingly, I mean, you watch those clips of him just crashing and burning and laying on his head, and it's like, is he dead? He's dead, right? But nope, he's still going. He's still kicking and scratching there. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all going still at various levels of of fame and stardom. But um, but yeah, but but as far as the song again goes, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm I'm more of a fan of the singles themes, uh, especially. Uh, Ares when he got Personal Jesus by Marilyn Manson. Again, the cover by Manson there. Um, that's, I think, the one I like the most of all the Gen Next themes there. That's that's my personal choice there, Sean.
0: See, I, I was going to go with, uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, I, I didn't get a chance to look this up, but I believe Ares after that then started coming out to The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. Yes. So that... That one's my pick for my favorite of all the uh, Gen gen Next guys, because it's just so ridiculous of a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and fitting for somebody who is the unique life outlook of Mr. Aries. Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) A
0: complex man with complex thoughts.
1: I believe, uh, yes, that's uh, a good way to sum it up. There, we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. I think <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Ooh, there, be kind, <laughs> yeah. So the final theme here, and it's for Jimmy Rave, uh, or as Prince Nana would say, Jimmy Rave. Jimmy, uh, the crown jewel of the embassy, and um, one of his themes in early ROH is originally composed by Miklos Rocha for the movie Ben Hur. This version is by John Williams of the Boston Pops Orchestra. This is Parade of the Charioteers. So this is the first Jimmy Rave theme when he joined the embassy. Uh, later on, he would get Drugs by Little Kim and uh, House of the Rising Sun by The Animals, of course, but this is the first, and uh, it's definitely the shtickiest of those songs because Jimmy Rave, the crown jewel of the embassy with the finest harems and scented oils and dinners and private jets that Prince Nana could buy, he's treated like King Shed, and you've got this pompous orchestral procession music that says, hey, I'm the most important person in this entire room. Royalty has arrived. Pay attention, you plebs. And it's Jimmy Rave and Bag Pants. You know, it's such a a clever choice of music there. And in Ring of Honor, you know, there's so many cool contemporary songs. This is orchestral film score from the 50s. It stands out in a big, big way there, Sean.
0: Such a heroic theme for such an Absolute dickbag, cowardly piece of crap, heel. <laughs> so wonderfully perfect. You, I, I started to reach for the toilet paper roll just hearing this again. <laughs> it's it's such a. This song is so goddamn epic. Like around the two minute mark, you literally expect a superhero to come flying in. And then out comes Jimmy Rave, and all you can think of is God. I wish a chariot would run him over. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough that he his, he had his feud with Punk and ROH, and they they had multiple matches in Chicago. So you can you can pretty much guess what the crowds were like for those. <laughs> and, and that's the perfect uh, perfect way to see Jimmy Rave in a room where everyone just wants to just see him get absolutely turned into a smear on the mat and he's just being such a cheating dick and Nana's a dick and oh my god he was such it's such a damn shame because he was so good at being hateable and the music was a perfect compliment for that
1: yeah the entrance too with like the outcast killers coming out first and spraying the air freshener around to purify the air and Ray would come out with the big fancy robe on and Jade Chung on his arm and she would be his literal stepstool into the ring the step which ladder uh, up yeah which uh you know nowadays again uh, tug of the collar there that's for sure but uh, it it did get cheers people did cheer some of that stuff so it it just it is what it is unfortunately but maybe, maybe
0: Jade gave enthusiastic consent
1: <laughs> but but but, but, it's a procession, you know, um a cancelled procession, perhaps, but uh still <laughs> a procession nonetheless, and to me, what's the icing on the cake here is there's this whole big to do with the music and whatnot, and it's all taking place in like an armory or a rec sender like that's that's what puts it over the top to me sean
0: oh yeah the 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 trumpets are going off, the air fresheners being sprayed, and you can see the basketball hoops in the background. <laughs> You, you, you can see the uh, you can see the forty and over uh, league guys who are waiting for them to move the bleacher so they can get their their run in for the night. <laughs> but more perhaps more importantly, why why is there no more why is there not more orchestral music in in entrances in entrances for wrestling? Think about everyone who comes out to orchestral music. Are they not all time greats? Ric Flair, Kurt Hennig. Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Rave. That's your that's your Mount Rushmore right there. <laughs> I mean, you you could carve that into a pet rock and, and and put that in Belter's Hall of Fame.
1: I mean Walter, exactly as well. You know, during the uh, the indie run there, of course, and uh, the first WWE years, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, orchestral music it's such a great signifier to say that this wrestler thinks that they are above the rest of us in some way you know they have more style than us they have more grace than us they have more class than us they have more power than us etc etc and you know jimmy ray with his pleather pants and his, his his greasy hair and his move names like gonorrhea for god's sake like that the gag is no he's not better than us he's this you know dirty shitbag heel you know but again that's the point that's that's the gag so you know as far as theme songs go yes jimmy rave would later on get you know drugs and eye against eye by massive attack and the animals too but um to me as far as like a first song to introduce a character this is just pitch perfect sean
0: uh, obviously, the problem is ROH fans just did not have enough taste and class to uh, appreciate some some good music. Need <laughs> to have their need to have their hippity hop or whatever. He, more guys need, more guys need music that can establish that. I, I know I harp on this, but that's because there's. I I like music. I love wrestling music. And I want it to sort of span a little more broadly and to be able to do more to establish people. So much entrance music nowadays just feels like it's there to provide noise for when someone is walking to the ring. And this and so I mean, there's a couple of really great examples in this of music that really helps establish a character. I mean, Jimmy Rave without that music isn't quite as loathable as Shitbag. Christopher Daniels, I mean, or or Special K, I'm sorry, Special K, without that music, they're not as hateable. You don't want to see them get beat up nearly as much if they're not coming out to... And there's there's just so much opportunity there, and God knows you've covered this in so many episodes. I, I, I just... I want to see more interesting music choices because it's fun and I'm old and I'm cranky and I complain (laughs) about modern wrestling on the regular.
1: (laughs) Sean Cornett over here, for God's sake. I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) damn mud show music.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well, RIP Jimmy Rave as well. Another guy who just died just so, so young. Um, And he did a real rough go of it too, towards the end there, because you know He had drug addiction during his life, and um, at the end, he had a MRSA infection, a bad one, and they had to amputate his arm and both of his legs because of it. Oh, my God. Um,
0: I honestly did not know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Then he died uh, soon afterwards. <sighs> uh, and It's a shame. It's so tragic because he was so good at what he did. He was so, so good in that role as a guy that people just wanted to boo. And that was not easy. I mean, in our wage back in those days, there were heels— but they were a bunch of cool heels. Like Homicide was a heel, but he was also cool. Ares was a heel, but he could be cool. Jimmy Rave, no one wanted to cheer that guy. They wanted to throw toilet paper at him and see the good guys kick his ass. And that's a special skill to be able to get like sincere boos in that era of ROH. Um, I mean, it's a special skill nowadays, you know? I mean, there are so many guys who, yeah, they're heels, but people cheer them. You know, MJF gets cheers. Jimmy Rave was not getting cheers in those days. And I think if he was around nowadays doing that character, he wouldn't get cheered either. So yeah, just a special talent and a really, really good guy too. So uh, RIP Jimmy Rave, uh, Sean, that's for sure. It,
0: it it takes a lot of talent to make sure that people don't appreciate you for your talent, but instead hate you for the character and the things you do. And he he was good at that. He, he obviously he had skill, he could do things, but he knew how to do things in a way that kept him loathable. And yeah, RIP, God.
1: Well, this is a real down note to end things on here. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Um, but, but I have yeah, a
0: positive I... note to end on instead of instead of thinking about sadness and death. Oh, go ahead. I would just like to say that we we did not cover the all time greatest ROH song, one that still pops into my head 20 years later or 15 years later or however many years and that is Addicted to Love the R- Titus Remix.
1: We gotta see if something are part two I mean we can't just we can't just <laughs> unleash the entire armada for the first go around here come on man.
0: <laughs> I, I want to come back and discuss that because that that still will that still goes into my head today and that's that's the ultimate way you can tell if if you want to know if somebody ever went to ROH shows in the mid 2000s just sing addicted to love to them and see if they go red Titus <laughs> afterwards if they do you can you can start slapping barricades with them cuz you know that you know you found a kindred spirit <laughs>
1: Mm. Well, that is the positive ending we needed, that's for sure. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Sean, as always, thank you for being here. So much fun. And uh, let me, as is customary, shake your hand once again, the code of honor being adhered here, too.
0: It's full mega power shake happening here, man. Full mega powers.
1: Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead, man.
0: Nah. I, I don't do anything on the internet these days. If if I ever do anything, you'll see it on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Every year or two, I come out of retirement for like one show. <laughs> Otherwise, I just talk to Andrew.
1: A, a proper wrestling veteran right there. Just <laughs> never going away fully, but always coming back for one reason or another there.
0: <laughs> me, me and Dennis Stamp, we always got our gear.
1: <laughs> and Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. For any donations, uh, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places Sean, thank you again. I'll see you around. Thank you, Andrew. All right. For Sean Flynn, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.
0: Hello.
1: about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.